Welcome to What to Do When, a podcast from Real Lawyers with Real Perspective, where we explore a variety of legal issues and scenarios. Each week, we focus on a new topic and discuss what to do when and if any of these legal scenarios ever happen to you or a loved one. With over 40 years of combined legal experience, our hosts offer their unique perspectives and insights on a range of real-life legal situations. Welcome to What to Do When, a dummy's guide to the legal verse. Hey, Scott, what's on our docket for today? We're going to talk about purchasing firearms and crimes that can come from that purchase. Okay. So, Will, I'm going to buy a firearm at Cabela's. What do I need to know? Well, uh, in order to purchase that firearm, they're going to ask you to fill out a questionnaire, giving your background information, um, giving uh, everything that they need to see and know before they're able to legally sell you that firearm. And there's both a state and a federal form. I just know, I know this so well because I just did it this morning, literally. Okay. So, So, you know, I mean, when you're filling out that firearm at the end, you know, you have to attest that everything on the form is true and accurate. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay. And so what happens, Will, if you don't, if you didn't provide accurate information. So if anything on there is inaccurate and it comes back that it's inaccurate, you're gonna be charged. With what? You're gonna be charged with a class five felony. And there's two felonies. There's the possession and the purchase. Yes, and the purchase, That's when you're looking at the purchase, you're gonna end up getting charged with providing false information on a state form. People don't understand that possession of a firearm is I'm in that shop and I'm holding that firearm and I'm not supposed to. I'm in possession of that firearm even if I'm looking at it to buy it. That's right. That's right. And so, so there are certain people, you know, that are going to be disqualified from owning or possessing a firearm. There's really three that I think that, that happen the most. Yep. Um, you know, when you have somebody that's been convicted of a domestic violence, uh, crime of domestic violence. Which read our, watch our podcast on domestic violence. We just did one on assault, domestic assault. That's right, yeah. And uh, someone who has been involuntarily committed for some mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And then the third is kind of the most obvious, I think, but not everybody realizes it, but it's somebody that's been convicted of a felony and hasn't had their rights restored. Yep. It's really, you know, this is super, super important because most people, and what we see most often, I think, is when you were a juvenile and you had some kind of crime that was a felony or a domestic crime or something like that, or you were committed when you were a juvenile for some reason, sure. they get, you know, you're an adult and it's been 20 years since that happened and you're filling out that form. A lot of times we don't even remember what happened when we were 18 years, 17, 16 years old. I certainly don't. So, you think in good faith you're filling out this form and then they go, oh, well, you were actually convicted of a felony. Well, my attorney told me it was a misdemeanor. That's what you remember. Well, I didn't go to jail. I didn't go to jail. So, so that's, uh, you know, people kind of, um, I, I think that, you know, they need to do their due diligence before they go in there, before they walk in, before they pick up that firearm, right? Before they try to figure out what is going to be their best gun, um, figure out whether or not there's something in their past that's gonna prevent them from one, purchasing it, and making sure especially that they don't provide any false information on that form. And just so you know, it's really simple. You can go to the state police and do a background check on yourself. You, what is it, five bucks or 20 bucks now? Maybe like 12. Okay, it's 12 it's bucks. It's not expensive. It's, it's not expensive. It's gonna be it's, a lot cheaper than paying for a lawyer. Yes. I highly suggest, if you have any questions, if you've ever had a run-in with the law and had to go to court, I would say that would be the um, baseline. If you've ever been in a courtroom where you were the person being charged, I would probably do a criminal background check prior to going to a gun show, a gun store, or anything else, because you could be in jeopardy. And I'll tell you the other one, um, well, let's finish that one. 
if you get your background checked and there's no felonies on it, then you're probably pretty okay. Yeah. Um, of course, if you have a domestic violence conviction, you're not okay again. So look at that. But you can always contact a lawyer, and a lot of lawyers will do it and look at your record. If you're not sure what it says, we can help you out with that too and look at it. But it's you want to have this right. Yeah. This morning, I really mean this. This morning, I was buying a gun at Cabela's. And I'm filling out that form, and I'm reading it like three times because I know how many times my clients have been in there, and I've had clients go, uh, "I didn't realize I'm, fu- I didn't realize that." So, you've got to be sure. You got to be. It's a real simple questionnaire. It doesn't ask anything difficult. No. But I'll tell you the one that comes up quite often is the mental health component. You know, if you've ever been, um, what's it? What's the word? I'm looking. Involuntary for? commitment. Uh, involuntary Temporary commitment. detention order. Yeah. So. That's a big one. And I'll tell you the one I ran into a few years ago was, um, say you you were drinking and they put you in tuckers for the night because you were so out of control when you're drinking and you think, I just want because I was drunk. <laughs> if they kept you, you were involuntarily committed. Yep. And that one will blow people away and they really don't matter. It's, it's such a minimal thing. And again, if you've ever been in a healthcare facility like that, you probably are have some hindrance to buying a gun. So you really, really need to know that. So we have number one, crimes felony. Of, crime, well, crimes of domestic violence is the first yeah. one we discussed. Yeah. And that's, you know, assault and battery against a family member or household member. Yep. So it could be your your brother, your sister, it could be your parent, it could be your spouse, it could be your boyfriend, it could be your girlfriend, right? Yeah, um, the other is, yeah, the second one we're discussing is the uh, the involuntary, any vo- involuntary commitment, and that could be for a 24-hour period, a 72-hour period, but I mean, it's one of those things that if at any point you were involuntarily committed to a, a, a hospital or any other mental health facility, then it's gonna probably prevent you from purchasing a firearm as well. The third one, and I think it's the most obvious, but again, maybe not to some people, uh, is are, are felony convictions. And yep. So if you've ever, difference obviously being, being charged with a felony and being convicted of a felony. Being charged with a felony is one thing and you can be charged with a ton of felonies and never get convicted and you're fine. Yep. But as soon as you get convicted of a felony, uh, that's gonna prevent you until your rights are restored uh, from purchasing a firearm. And so a lot of people that I've run into, you know, got convicted of a, a felony trespass or felony vandalism, mm-hmm. you know, and um, had a, a deal worked out with the state where uh, there was no jail time as long as they paid, you know, restitution. Um, so it's one of those things that, um, you know, just because you didn't go to jail or you didn't go to prison doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, um, have be, a felony conviction. Absolutely. It's very, he's very, I mean, you think that's so simple, but it's amazing how many people don't understand that. I didn't go to jail, so I didn't have a felony. That's not the, that's not the determination. And remember this: one of the biggest uh, crimes that kids especially get are larcenies. When there it was used to be two hundred dollars. Yeah. And so when it was two hundred dollars, and you committed a you stole like you went into Walmart and I don't know stole a gun. Uh, just kidding. You stole something was well over two hundred dollars. You have a felony on your record if you were convicted of that. And you just remember is you stole some. Some stuff from, you know, and, was, or, and yeah, I didn't go to jail and you yeah. think, oh, I don't have that misdemeanor. But that's a big one that people don't really realize that they had a felony conviction. There's so many other ones. And I want to say this. I think it's really important. Under the Code of Virginia, it's still the Code of Virginia. Nobody ever argues this anymore. But when you commit a crime as a juvenile, it's a status offense considered a status offense that would be a misdemeanor, would be a felony if committed by an adult. 
that kind of language seems to be washed out in this statute and buying a gun. But I think there's stuff there that needs to be explored, and we can help you explore that. I don't think we need to be a, uh, a sorting house for whether you can buy a gun or not. You can do most of that on your own. And quite frankly, I can't look up your mental health past and figure that out. And so if you know any place you've been, you need to kind of try to do that research. Um, but... But the place to start, though, I mean, especially when you're worried if you've had any criminal convictions in the past, is just to go to the state police. You know, the state police have offices all over the state uh, where you're able to go, pay that little bit of money, they do the background check, send it to you. I mean, mm -hmm. it's better to be safe in that regard than to find out later on after you've, you know, falsely provided information on this uh, application. So I yeah. think that that's important. And, and you know, it's kind of one of those things, it's a straight up kind of thing. You lied to the court, so there's not much wiggle room we can help some, and there's a lot of avenues we can explore. But um, so there are a lot of other things on there about being a U.S. citizen and, um, you know, all those kind of things. You, you got to answer those correctly. If you're not sure, don't answer it and don't buy the gun. Right. Um, but and the rest of the questions are pretty simple. But again, if you're going to purchase a firearm, you can't have a domestic violence charge. You can't be committed involuntary, even as a juvenile. You can't have a felony. Right. Anything else we need to cover? I think that's about it. All right. Remember this in the next step, one of the next episodes, we'll do restorations of rights. And that's really important in this case, because a lot of times I, I won't give one of our strategies away, but there's a way sometimes even when you're convicted to fix the conviction, but you've got to have your rights restored. And it's not that for instance, for an involuntary commitment, it's usually in the general district court that you file a motion and if it's been 20 years, most judges aren't going to hold that against you. And even if you had a crime when you're a younger man and you want to start hunting again, judges are fairly lenient about that. They're not looking to keep you hemmed up the whole, your whole life. If right. you had a recent robbery, you're not sure, going to get sure. it restored. But, you know, for the majority of people who are trying to legally buy a gun, getting your rights restored is not a, a hurdle that's too big. Right. And no. it's well worth it. And um, we can help you do that. Absolutely. But, we can help you if you go to buy a gun and something goes bad, make sure you call us. Do not talk about it. Do not talk to the investigating officer. Do not try to defend yourself. Call us and let us walk you through the process and help you. That's right. Better remain silent and protect your rights than to say too much to the investigator or to the police officer and find yourself locked up. Thank you all. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of What to Do When. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, and we encourage you to check our archives to listen to previous topics. Tune in next week for a new episode and some fresh perspective from Kreiser Cardani.